Welcome back to the talk show, episode number 42. Um, we're talking about NBA offseason. Based on what happened in the playoffs with Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks going all the way for the championship, it should be a super interesting offseason with all the stuff moving around, all the pieces moving around in the league. And it starts tonight with the NBA draft, one of the biggest nights in the NBA. So I break it all down. I talk about that. And I also talk about baseball. The trade deadline is here. So in back-to-back days, we have two huge timelines in their respective sport. So all that and more coming up next. I do want to apologize. The last 10 minutes of the episode, my mic went out. I was doing something a little different, recording it on Instagram Live while I was recording. So if you liked it, let me know what you think. I always love to hear the feedback. Coming up right after this, though, is the episode. Welcome back to the talk show. Um, Loaded episode. We got a lot going on today. NBA draft is tonight baseball we have the mlb trade line that's happening tonight so tons of stuff going on in the world of sports it's always packed and so i'm going to be talking about some of that stuff and the first thing i want to get into is baseball and i want to talk nba i want to recap the season i know that i did a little recap with my father um but i want to talk about the nba season and some of the stuff that kind of comes out of it and how that plays into the offseason because the nba really has three free three seasons it's the playoffs, the regular season, and the offseason. And the offseason is arguably more entertaining than the regular season in the NBA. That's just how, I don't know, you want to say how bad the NBA regular season is or just how incredibly entertaining the NBA offseason is. Um, So it's really the third season of the NBA. And so I want to get into that in a minute. But before that, let's talk baseball because that's going down now. Um, I've complained about my Yankees all year long, and I'm not going to start there. Um. I'm going to start with some of the MLB stuff that I talked about maybe a month ago, maybe longer than that. Just talked about how MLB is ruining the sport with the sticky stuff, ruining the sport with so many different things that they try to uh, put into play, try to implement. Um, And one of the things I saw with baseball is it got the topic going again. People started talking about baseball. The, media, the general media, ESPN, all these things. Even when uh, Stephen A. Smith talked about Shohei Otani not being good for baseball because he has to speak through a translator. Obviously, that's the craziest take ever. That take sucks, but it got people talking about baseball, and that's what you need. And if the media is talking about baseball, then there's no such thing as bad publicity. The ratings have been higher than ever. Listen, did I hate the uniforms at the All-Star Game? One of the most amazing things about the MLB All-Star Game is that they all wear different uniforms. And that's something that stands out. You can only do that in baseball. You can't do that in any other sport. And I love that. And they didn't have that this year. There are certain things, obviously, Rob Man for the seven inning double headers. Those are things that I hate. The the sticky stuff. I, I said the game will get fixed without it because you'll be forcing hitters to hit a different way. But because of the controversy, people are coming back. This is why I said when I alluded to this with my father. Cheating is good for sports. Doping is good for sports because if you believe that there's con- the controversy is good for sports. So why not? Um, so the spotlight is back on baseball. And you know what? Instead of ruining that opportunity, there's a huge opportunity the MLB has here. They have to take advantage of it. There can't be a stoppage. I think a stoppage is coming. I think Manfred's already leaking things. Hey, we're not going to have you know the seven-inning doubleheaders. And then the baseball players are going to say, the players union, oh, we want the seven-inning doubleheaders. They're going to go back and forth on that. They're going to go back and forth on so many different things. And I think ultimately that's going to lead to a stop lead to a stoppage um so i do think that's a big issue i think that's an issue in baseball right now 
Um, but they better not. They got to figure out a way to not make there be a stoppage and play the season next year because I think that could really, really help baseball um, because the spotlight's on them and all the all these people who came because of the storylines and because people are talking about them are now staying because of guys like Fernando Tatis and guys like Nick Castellanos who got fined again. It just doesn't make sense to me that you're finding guys who are making the game fun, who are getting themselves on House of Highlights and places that used to just so LeBron dunks and stuff like that and Ezekiel Elliott runs um, or Patrick Mahomes throws. So baseball being in the spotlight, you got to take advantage of it. Got to showcase guys like Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. And I wish those guys were on teams that were making the playoffs, but storylines like the Seattle Mariners, they're so much fun. I mean, they trade for a guy who was kind of a no-name guy and he's hit a home run in four straight games against the team that he was traded from. So many fun things are happening in baseball. There's so much going on around the league. Even look at what's happening with the Orioles locally here in Baltimore. The Orioles, yeah, they stink, but Cedric Mullins is a fantastic story. He is such a good baseball player, as is John Means, a good young player, and obviously Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini's story is great. But today's the trade deadline. Everyone talks about the trade deadline in baseball, where it's probably the biggest trade deadline in sports, maybe, where moves are happening that day. It's the end of the summer, and people are gearing up for a playoff race. My team, the Yankees, have essentially stunk all year now. They're over 500, but they're really, they've been disappointing all year. And it's been a big issue for the Yankees. And what's happening right now is they are trying to make some moves to push themselves into the playoffs. Now, I think there's an organizational issue, and I'm going to get into that in a minute. Um, but you got to give them credit. I mean, Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo uh, in one day, and I'm refreshing Twitter to see what else is going on. I really run on Trevor's story, but I love Anthony Rizzo. What I love about those two guys is those are two guys who just, you know, have a different attitude. They change up the locker room. They change up the lineup, something just different. And that's huge. That's something that we need. Um, and apparently the Yankees are now out on Trevor's story. I really wanted Trevor's story. But two lefties, it's kind of an admission of guilt on the Yankees uh, behalf, which I didn't think they were going to do. I didn't think they were going to say we were wrong. But obviously you were wrong. You didn't have two lefty Line, two lefty big bats in the middle of this lineup with a short porch in right field. And you need that. And that is so important for the Yankees to have a guy like Anthony Rizzo who has a championship pedigree. He's now, I think, the only guy on the team who won a championship outside of Brett Gardner, if I'm not mistaken. So that's huge. Having a guy like him, having a guy like Joey Gallo, who's always wanted to play for the Yankees, a guy who gets on base, he's hit into nine double plays his whole career. And, you know, the rest of the Yankee team, I think you go through DJ, Stanton, Judge, Glaber, maybe a couple others have each hit into nine double plays plus this year. So that just tells you how crazy uh, that is. So people complain he strikes out. Listen, I like those two players. I don't think it's the right thing because I'm not going to get excited over this team. You're not going to get like, me buy back in. Today is the perfect example. The Yankees win the first two games in Tampa, and then they just absolutely punt on a game. Their best pitcher supposedly one of the best pitchers in the league. The guy who's getting paid as the best pitcher in the league. Garrett Cole gives up 14 runs. I know they weren't all on him, but 14 runs and they lose 14 nothing. That's a football score. I didn't joke that that was uh, in honor of the Jets finally signing uh, Zach Wilson today, which don't even get to that. Please, please do us a favor. Woody Johnson, move back to London and just sell the franchise to someone else. Maybe start your own franchise in London. I don't care, but leave the Jets alone. Anyway, um... But yeah, as far as the Yankees and as far as they're concerned, that's just terrible. And they've done this so many times this year. How many times have they just punted those game threes that they're up 2-0 in a series? And then Judge goes back on Instagram and he's like, 
big series win. This was awesome. Shut up, Aaron Judge. No one needs your moral victories. It's that weak-minded stuff that that's, that's the reason this team is bad. The reason this team is bad is because everyone is weak-minded. It's because after a tough loss, Aaron Boone comes back on and he's like, you know, I really like the way we battled. I really thought we came back. What the hell was he saying after the Boston series? I understand that if Aaron Boone had more say, maybe things would be different. I think he's a controlled puppet by the front office. Hey, Giancarlo Stanton's going to start in left field this series. He's going to start in left field this series, start in left field next week, start in left field later this month. It never happens because he doesn't know. It's not his fault. He's just a mouthpiece. But they're putting him in a terrible spot and they're making him look bad doing it because he doesn't actually have any say on what's happening with this franchise. And then he comes out and says, you know, I really like the way the team battled back. Battled back from what? They played terribly in Boston. And even after they came back in that one game on Saturday, they played terribly and lost maybe the worst loss of the season on Sunday. How many worst losses of the, losses of the season do we have? So two from that Red Sox series, maybe the biggest series of the year. They had two of them in Fenway. They should have won three or four, or at least split if you say that Saturday is a loss. So at least split that series, but they lose two of the most mind-blowing losses that I've ever seen. And then you have the one against the Astros in Houston going into the All-Star break. You have one against the Phillies. You have one against the Twins. You have one against the Astros earlier in the year. I mean, how many of these? They just pile on and on and on. And then you have the ones that they just punt the games that they don't even care about. So, I mean... This team is upsetting. It's pathetic. And I think it's a problem in the front office. I think the way the team was constructed. And then there's a problem with the manager. I think the manager doesn't motivate this team to want to go out there and play. And you see it. Michael K said it on a broadcast a while ago. He's like, uh, it was a, a Red Sox game, actually. Also, it was the last time they were in Fenway Park. Michael K said, wow, the Yankees got down in the first inning. And they really they got down on themselves after they went down like that in the first inning. And it's just tough. Uh, they, they really had a hard time battling back mentally from that. You had a hard time battling back mentally from a 4 nothing lead in the first inning? What does that mean? You're a baseball team. Like, pull it together. There's nine innings. Like, you're supposed to be a professional team. And we've seen this in professional sports across the board. We've seen weak-minded athletes, if you want to call it that. And I'm not talking about mental health because that's a serious issue. But I'm talking about weak-minded athletes who just, when they go down, they're like, eh. And, you know, that that's the thing I talked about with my father with Giannis. Giannis had injuries. He had reasons to maybe quit and not um, keep coming back. And he kept coming back. And it's part of what makes the story so incredible. But with the Yankees, they don't have that. So let's talk about. And, and by the way, I said, it's funny. I have my notes here from a while ago. I wrote, don't blame Stanton. Stanton's not the only problem. Yes, it's they've traded for a guy who has a huge contract, who can't play the outfield. But it's also... That's part of the mindset. Giancarlo Stanton, you might as well put him in the outfield. If he gets hurt, he gets hurt. And now, obviously, that changes that you have Joey Gallo, who's an excellent fielder, to put in the outfield. But why not put him in the outfield? Why were you holding Giancarlo Stanton out of the outfield? It plays into that mindset that he's not strong enough to play in the outfield. It plays into that weak mindset. And, and people start to believe it eventually. I'm sure he himself starts to believe it eventually if you keep telling him that he's too weak to play in the outfield. And he should be going to Aaron Boone's office and saying, hey, we need me in the outfield. And he goes up there. I mean, some of his at-bats are just ridiculous where there's a pitch right down the middle and he doesn't swing. And then a pitch on the outside, they wave, waves and misses, swings over. It's like he's guessing every single time and he's deciding swing, don't swing before. And by the way, people talk about the Yankees double plays all year and they've hit into so many double plays. 
you know who's hidden to the second to most double plays and it's not that far off was the Houston Astros and they're one of the best offenses in the league it has nothing to do with the double plays obviously the Yankees double plays kill them and they're more than anyone else it's first and second or second and third nobody out or second nobody out and they don't bring in a run and they never get held accountable for it never ever and maybe if you held them accountable one or two times something would change so Anthony Rizzo I love Anthony Rizzo I wanted him or Joey Votto. I didn't even think they would get get either one. And that's kind of crazy that they got Anthony Rizzo. Um, Joey Gallo, great move. But I just think you're kind of making a, an excuse for this team. This team is going to what? Make a wild card game now and then lose in the division round. If they don't lose, like they're going to play a one game wild card in Tampa or Boston. You really like have confidence in this team in that game. I don't. And then what? You make it to the division series, maybe against Boston, maybe against someone else. I don't know who, but Houston. I, I just don't understand. Why why are they doing that? What's the point? What's what's the point? Just to make the playoffs? That's not what this goal was. I think the team is closer to a championship if they continue to lose. And the Yankees still treat themselves as, oh, we're the Yankees. We have so much pride. We're, we're not willing to admit we're wrong. And that's what I started with. I said they kind of admitted they were wrong. Um, by making these two trades for guys who are both left-handed power bats, they kind of said, okay, we were wrong. The Yankees have a hard time admitting that they're like wrong. And nobody sees them as the big bad Yankees anymore. They're the only ones who do. Nobody's scared of them. Nobody's scared to go into Yankee Stadium and win games. No one has any fear of the Yankees. So let's transition to the NBA and another team that has that pedigree like the Yankees, and I just I don't think they had it anymore this year. And that's the Lakers. The Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron in particular, you talk about mentally weak. I, I talked about this many times now where once Anthony Davis went down, LeBron James decided, all right, I'm just going to mail it in. And that's kind of the biggest difference between what we saw LeBron do and what we saw KD do. KD lost, but he had no one else when Harden was hurt and Kyrie wasn't playing. He fought his butt off. And then there's obviously the guy who's standing with the championship right now for a good reason, and Giannis. Giannis got hurt. Giannis was on a team that people were like, really? You traded all that for Drew Holiday who disappeared? Or Chris Middleton? And throughout the playoffs, everyone's like, oh, Chris Middleton's a superstar. Oh, Chris Middleton sucks. Chris Middleton's a superstar. Chris Middleton sucks. And this is why, you know, getting on here every day and talking about, you know, the storyline between every single playoff game, it just doesn't make sense to do that so much because the narrative changes every day and everyone needs to always, you know, stand up with the with their take and say, oh, everyone needs to show that they, they're so smart and they need to have a take immediately within the 24 hours of something happening. At the end of the day, that's what Chris Middleton is. He's a guy who can, who's really capable of scoring and can create some incredible shots for himself and create space. But he's also inconsistent. That's what he is. And the overreactions and then coming back and that back and forth, that's just what the media does. And it's kind of dumb, but that's what they do and they get paid to do. It. And that's why they guys like Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless and Colin Coward have jobs. That's That's what they're paid to do. And you know, Colin Coward coming out and saying that Zach Wilson will be a bust. It, it doesn't smell right, like because of this situation. Like he has to say that, you know, and then he has to stick to his guns. That you know, when he 
admits he's wrong. Like he's still convinced that he's right about Baker Mayfield. <laughs> and Baker's made the playoffs now. And he's looked good. So obviously, uh, Colin should take the L there. But my point was the Lakers. <laughs> and I was talking about the Lakers and I got sidetracked. Sorry. The Lakers are in an interesting spot. That's the first place I want to start. When LeBron, you understand that he wasn't going to win a championship. So he decided, okay, I'll take a step back. I'll survey the league. I'll see what I can come back with next year. Um, I totally didn't understand the rumors a couple of days ago when I heard the Westbrook rumors. I was like, why would they do that? And then it kind of made sense to me. LeBron needs a guy to give him a kick in the butt. And Russell Westbrook is the energizer bunny. He is a guy who, whether you like him, whether you don't like him, whether you think he's the best player in the league, whether you think he's terrible, much like Giannis, every single night, every single possession, he's going to come out and bring it. He's going to bring energy. He's going to hold other guys accountable. Yeah, sometimes you wonder what the hell is Russell thinking, but you can't question his energy. You can't question his work ethic. You can't question what he's trying to do on the basketball court. He wants to be the best player. He wants to be the hardest worker every single night. And LeBron James is a guy who, while maybe he wasn't motivated this past year, he understands that he sometimes maybe needs to be pushed and needs a guy like that to pick up the energy on the team, to pick up everyone else. And that's huge. That's uh, that's a big thing that he understands that. And I would actually pay to see that because what I thought about is how many guys in the NBA are must-watch TV every night. There's a lot of them now. Um, and I think there's some in baseball, which is why I talked about that before. Tatis and Otani, those guys are must-watch every single night, every single time they come to the plate. But how many guys in the NBA are must-watch TV? LeBron's still one of them, even at this stage in his career. Westbrook is still one of them. Russell Westbrook is a guy who is must-watch TV because no matter what's going to happen, you know it's going to be crazy. You know it's going to be high-flying. You know it's going to be energy. Um, and whether you like the triple doubles or not, I think you know we had an obsession with it for a couple of years, and then we kind of got over it. Doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you realize that what he does kind of works, and so that energy, everything he does on a basketball court, is something that people pay to watch every night, and that's big for the NBA. That you have a guy that people are paying to watch every night, and. That's something that the Lakers want. They want to have that Laker aura that I talked about with the Yankees. LeBron wants that back. That was part of why he went to LA. He got his movie. He got all that. That's that's what they're looking for. So the Westbrook deal, if it goes through, I think it's actually a good trade. I don't think that becomes a championship team, LeBron, Westbrook, and AD, but maybe they obviously need some role players, some pieces. And by the way, Kyle Kuzma there was a report that came out. Kyle Kuzma is ready to move on. His agent wants him to trade him from the Lakers. Good. Because the Lakers have been offering you in trade packages for the last four years. So I don't know what you thought was happening. I don't, you, the fact that you weren't traded till now is nothing short of a miracle. So welcome on board, Kyle Kuzma. You've now been traded. All right. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff uh, going on. And the first thing is CP3. Is CP3 going to go back? Um, people have talked about that. Um, it's just another NBA storyline. By the way, if the podcast sounds different and I'm like jumping around a little bit more. So I'm on Instagram live now while I'm recording the podcast. Um, I'm not looking for people to follow along during the podcast, but I'm like I said, like I always say, I'm always trying new things with the podcast. Um, if you have ideas, obviously you can go hit me up 
Instagram and Twitter at Rami Lavi. Um, you could also send me a message in the notes to the podcast. There's a link to send a message, leave a message. I'll listen to them and then add them in um, and comment on them and all that. So definitely do that. And I'll talk about whatever, because if you don't like the Yankees or if you don't want to talk about MPA or whatever it is, those things you can talk about. So this is just something new that I'm trying to uh, do the podcast while I'm recording on Instagram live. It's different um, than just posting a video afterwards or whatever. Who knows? We'll see what happens. So the podcast sounds a little different. It maybe has like me a little bit jumping around a little bit more, a little bit more of a live uh, vibe. That <laughs> That's what's going on. So anyway, I was talking about CP3 and CP3 is, you know, there, there's, there's some things to it. Everyone wants to talk about him as the point guard. Everyone and not everyone, but the Chris Paul fans really want to just see him win and say, there it is there. CP3 finally got what he deserved. At the end of the day, though, again, Chris Paul came up short and Chris Paul was kind of hurt and he had some excuses. And that's kind of what Chris Paul's been in the playoffs. Like, I love Chris Paul. And my father talked about this earlier in game six. I was like, come on, come on, refs. Come on, Giannis. Ah, I was screaming. I just wanted Chris Paul, Chris Paul, Chris Paul. And then something flipped where I was like, no, Giannis is this special guy who's 26 years old, who's going to be the future of this league, who's going to be a guy that people are talking about for years to come, who's got so much energy and is so easy to root for and is so humble and doesn't have this deserving self-righteous mentality, even though he's already won two MVPs and has had all the success in the world. And he's just an incredible story. And while Chris Paul, I love him, you could still love Chris Paul and understand that He's just a hair below the top point guards. And maybe, you know, actually say, yeah, a little guy who's a facilitator, a pass first guy, pass second guy, always trying to create for others. While that may be great to have for 99% of a season, you still need in that final 1% in the finals, big games. You need that one guy who's going to say, get out of the way. I'm taking over. And close for you, that Kobe, that Michael, even LeBron, although people sometimes don't like to give him the credit for it. And, you know, two of the biggest threes of his life I talked about were taken by other people. Um, The biggest threes of his career were taken by Kyrie Irving and Ray Allen. But LeBron has that mentality where he wanted to take that shot. Yeah, he missed terribly on that three when he took it in Miami, but he wants to be that guy. Chris Paul is capable of being that guy, I think. Um, just we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen him take over in that capacity, and it happened again. Um, and I think it helps his case a little bit that he had a great game in Game Six. But at the same time, it's okay to say that Chris Paul needs his Kobe or his, you know, whatever that other piece is, and maybe he stays for another year. And I don't think they'd be the favorites um, to win the finals, but. Maybe he stays and really Devin Booker turns into that guy. He disappeared in game six. Maybe he develops into that guy that is the guy who wants those shots, who wants to take those final shots. And people are already scream, oh, he's like Kobe. You know what? Maybe he grows into that. Um, we've been waiting for this for a while. This was the first year and really in the bubble last year that we saw Devin Booker turn into that. So I hope CP3 stays. Um, and the reason I bring him up right after the Lakers is because how many times has he been rumored to want to play with LeBron or LeBron wants to play with him? And I kind of jokingly said on last podcast, they're not really friends, but are they really like, 
do you think if LeBron didn't want Chris Paul, wouldn't he have called him up and said, hey, I'm looking for a point guard. Uh, we got this spot. It's going to be great. Me, you, AD. They could have gotten it done, you, you think, right? Um, I just don't think that's actually happening. From one point guard in the West to another, Dame Lillard. So is Dame Lillard going to actually ask out is the question. And people are saying, yes, in the coming days, Dame Lillard is actually going to ask out. And what's interesting about Dame Lillard asking out is how much leverage does he really have? Because we've never seen this before. Dame Lillard has, what, three years, four years left on his contract. He just entered a max deal. And he's starting those years. And now he's going to ask out. Now he's going to want to go somewhere else. So that's something that's unprecedented. Obviously, we saw with James Harden, we had never seen how much time and money he had left on his contract. A guy like him asking out. Basically, the only way to ask out if you have that much time and money left on your deal is to become extremely difficult. And I don't see Dame Lillard being that guy, especially with how much he wants to give to New Orleans, not New Orleans, but to Portland, how much he talks about Portland, how much he talks about the city, um, how his character is viewed currently around the league and how he holds himself to, as a high character guy. I don't think he wants to ruin all that just so that he can get out of Portland. Even if he wants to get out, I think the way it needs to happen is where they say, okay, we want to trade him. Um, and why would they? I, I broke this down a few episodes ago. You can go back and listen. I think there's two ways to look at it. The one way to look at it is he wants out of Portland. Um, that's obviously one aspect. But the one way to look at it is they want to get him out of there and try and rebuild the team. It's a way that the general manager can say, hey, extend my contract so that we can get rid of Dame Lillard. I'll rebuild. And then he runs the rebuild. Or the other option is we're not that far off from a championship team. Maybe we can retool. Maybe it's CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons, which I think is a viable trade that could happen. And that's the piece we're missing. A guy who can play alongside and play make for everyone else and not just be a ball dominant Dame show. And Dame can still do his thing in crunch time. Kind of like I talked about with CP3 and Devin Booker, if they turn into that or whatever it is. I think that's something that, you know, the GM should be looking at, but unless they say, okay, we want to sell, we want to rebuild it's going to be hard for Dame to ask out. And even if he does ask out, where's he going to go? Meaning, you could talk about the Warriors. You could talk about the Knicks. You could talk about the different options that there might be. But Dame Lillard, he he can't dictate where he goes. That's one of the things that when these guys ask out, they usually want to say, oh, I want to go here. I want to go there. But what leverage does he have without looking like a bad guy, which I don't think he wants to do? So that's just an interesting thing with Dame Lillard. Another guy who might be asking out, and um, I don't think he's asked out yet, uh, and he's been rumored in trades for a while, and I think he should ask out also, is Bradley Beal. Now, the Bradley Beal situation, especially, well, now if they traded Westbrook, then obviously they're blowing it up. If they hadn't traded Russell Westbrook, the Wizards may have kept Bradley Beal and been like, yeah, let's run it back. Let's be a 6-7-8 seed and just go back. Um, <laughs> Ryan Rossillo actually referred to it as, don't underestimate the Wizards' uh, will and desire to be mediocre. 
meaning they don't mind being a six, seven, eight seed and getting bounced in the first, second round of the playoffs every year. So, I mean, that's not the goal, but it gets bodies in the seats, I guess, in this, you know, maybe sells tickets. But Bradley Beal, if now they're blowing it up, that's another huge name that's on the market. And this is what I talk about. There is a third season to the NBA season, and I imagine stuff will be going down tonight. After Cade Cunningham goes first and the other top names go, I think the first four. I'm not a huge draft guy. I'm not going to pretend to be, meaning I love the draft, but especially now that the Knicks aren't in a lottery um, and they're not a lottery pick. I don't know the draft names. I'm not doing research. And anyone who says they really know, like from watching YouTube highlights, they don't really know. People who watch these games for the last few years who have been following these kids since they were in high school, uh, those guys know. But um, as far as Beal, again, a number of places where Bradley Beal can go. And I think any team would want him. He's the type of guy that why not trade for Bradley Beal? That's a, you know, a player who changes your franchise immediately. Um, as a Knicks fan, I think you put him alongside Julius Randle and try and keep RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson or whatever. That's an incredible piece. That's a guy who obviously you can say, you know, good stats, bad team, but I don't think so. I think he is the next guy who could be a dominant scorer, a dominant closer. He could also do some ball handling. Um, so that's a big storyline, and we'll see what happens. If Westbrook's really gone, we'll see what happens with uh, Bradley Beal if he's the next one on the move. Um, with all these trades, Dame, Beal, the Warriors have been rumored. Um, everyone's been talking about the Warriors being the team that might trade him. And Golden State, they have a decision to make. Are they rebuilding um, and trying to build around Wiseman and trying to figure that out? Or do they want to milk the last little bit out of this Curry and Draymond window. And if Clay Thompson comes back healthy and you have that core, that championship pedigree core, you might want to milk that. You want to might want to try and just turn it over quickly and get uh, two more, you know, seasons out of him. Uh, something just came up. Terry Francona stepping aside for health concerns for the remainder of the season. So I hope he's okay. Uh, best wishes to the, Cleveland, no longer Indians manager. <laughs> um, Indians, they changed it to Guardians. Well, starting next season. Back to basketball. Um, the Warriors have to make that decision and and then have to zero in on who's the guy that can change that. Or is there a guy who's a hybrid guy who can make them better now and make them great in the future? Lonzo Ball might be that guy. He's a free agent and... He's a guy who can handle the ball. Steph Curry, weirdly, for a scoring superstar point guard, he doesn't need the ball in his hand because of all the work that the Warriors do off ball um, and all the stuff they do running around and screens and all the off ball stuff that they do. Um, a guy like Lonzo Ball who can facilitate for that and also started knocking down threes this year, that could be a huge piece for the Warriors. Beal would be huge for them, obviously. Dame and Steph, I mean, two of the most lethal shooters of all time in the same lineup running around together. If you could teach Dame how to do the stuff how to do the stuff that, that Steph Curry does. Sorry. If you could teach Dame how to do the stuff that Steph Curry does, um <laughs> that would be insane. That that takes Dame to another level. Um as far as Lonzo, I want him to go to the Knicks. I think 
He can hit enough threes. He can score enough. He's long. He plays defense. He's the type of guy who's so mature from the moment he came into the league, even with all the stuff going around with his father and all that in L.A., he was always mature, always handled it well. And he can facilitate for those guys, and he could hit threes. Um, I would put him with a guy like DeMar DeRozan and a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie and run it back. I don't think they need to make a huge trade. I don't think... Maybe they can win with depth. And the reason I'm saying that part of it is because we saw what happened with the Bucks, And there was no, yeah, there was the one incredible superstar, but there was really no second player after that. And we don't know what Randall could be. Maybe Randall shows that he is the superstar. Maybe he shows that he's not. But if you have enough scoring and enough guys who buy into the system, enough guys who want to come every day to work hard and outwork everyone. Listen, this year they had those guys. And we'll always respect that Knicks team for this. We'll never forget the... We hear 2021. Alec Burks, listen, we're not forgetting those guys, even if we didn't move on without them. I just think that guys like that and having enough guys like that and not mortgaging your whole future for a Dame Lillard, although I'd love him, or a Kawhi Leonard, who that's a whole separate story. I think that's huge for a franchise like the Knicks. I think that's a way that the Knicks can actually bring themselves back and also still keep that kind of underdog mentality and the mentality that so many people loved throughout the season um, and just made them so easy to root for. Just a bunch of guys who work hard and play together as a team. Team basketball is something that we're seeing is huge right now. I mean, look at the team that just won the championship. Look at the Bucks. Look at what's happening with Team USA and the Olympics. They have all the talent in the world, but some of those you know, things that happen in the Olympics, both with fouls called in transition or kind of weak stuff that the NBA has. They're, they're faltering from that. They're not playing a team game. They're kind of losing from that. And yes, do I think that in a perfect season where everyone was healthy, do I think the Brooklyn Nets win the championship with ease? Yes, but that's what happens with guys who are not a team. They're just a group of individual maybe superstars, but I talk about this all the time with my father on here. It's, I'm just happy to see that it was rewarded. Listen, the Warriors before KD were also a team. That's, they were built from the start, and that's kind of something. And, you know, another team that I think is not like that is the 76ers. I talked about, I talked about the process being not the right way to build a franchise. Ben Simmons wants out now. I think they should be trading Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid does not have the heart of a champion. He doesn't have the right mindset. He he was never that guy who was emotionally capable and, and mature enough to win a championship. He has all the talents in the world. He could be the best player in the NBA, but I never thought of him as that type of guy. He was upset on draft night. He kind of had a loser mentality, and they're a mess now. I honestly think they're a mess. I, I think they can't bring Ben Simmons back because that franchise, that that fan base will eat him alive. Um, but at the same time, I don't see how they can trade. Stock is at an all-time low. It's it's a really curious situation with them. I think trading Joel Embiid makes more sense. You'd have to get a haul back and then try and build around Ben Simmons, try and fix him, try and tell him, hey, go shoot your shot. Like, What's incredible about Giannis is he never stopped shooting those free throws. He was never scared to go to the rim and get fouled. In big spots in that game, he was like, you know what, fine, I'll go get fouled, but I'm still going to get to the line and 
try and do my thing that he always had that mentality that he's just better. And that eventually served him well. It was pure willpower. He went 17 of 19 in game six from the line. Who would have thought he could have done that? Like no one would have bet that. And that's where mind over matter is incredible. And it's just so amazing to watch in a sport where talent trumps all. And that's, that, that's my biggest takeaway from the whole NBA season. I mean, you look at Ty Lue and what he did with, with, uh, the Clippers even every time they went down in a series and they came back, Tyloo can really coach. He motivated those guys. And I talk about it with the Yankees. They don't have that mindset. It's funny how sports has that sometimes where, you know, there's a mind over matter thing, even in a sport like baseball, where it's so simple, pitch the ball, hit the ball, throw to the cutoff man, run the bases. Right. But if you're not gelled as a team, if you're mentally weak, it's, it's so weird, but it just doesn't work no matter how much talent you have. I mean, look at the Boston Red Sox and Alex Cora. And I don't want to give the Boston Red Sox credit, but those guys are such a fun team to watch. They're so much fun every single night. And that's just a bunch of guys who buy in. Um, and that's kind of crazy that in baseball, a sport like that, that's so like kind of individualized with, you know, each at bat be a player being up there alone. And, you know, when a ball's hit to a certain player, it's hit to him or a pitcher, whatever it is, you see that in that sport. So, of course, in the NBA where there's ball movement and there's team chemistry and team camaraderie, uh, you need that type of stuff. Um, and so that, those are the other stories. Listen, there's going to be a lot going down in the draft tonight. There's going to be a lot going down in the MLB trade deadline tonight. All this stuff is happening. Um, Obviously, I don't know what will happen with Team USA. Sometimes talent trumps all. And that's what I said over about, you know, the Brooklyn Nets. And obviously there was an injury situation with that. Um, in the draft, I think things will generally go as planned for the first four picks. And then it's a free-for-all. Um, Kate Cunningham should go first overall. And then there's always a surprise in the offseason. So one guy that we're not expecting that I didn't talk about is going to ask out. Maybe Kawhi leaves. Not a good spot to trade him right now. And apparently, I don't know what this means, but the Heat are hungry. The Miami Heat are hungry, and Pat Riley wants to get something done. He uh, probably will get it done. So that's something that I'm just throwing out there. It's funny how unaware of the draft I am tonight because the Knicks just have been good. <laughs> that's never happened in my life, um, that the Knicks were good enough for me to not be aware of the draft. But I'm sure after whoever they draft, I don't know who it's going to be beforehand, but afterwards I'll do my research and I'll try and see uh, – what he's like. Um, just an interesting thing that I saw from the NBA finals. Brandon Jennings was celebrating with the team. Like I, is a part of this franchise. He built up this franchise uh, for a long time, although he hasn't been there in forever. And then I thought about um, DeMar DeRozan. If you think about guys who are tough and guys who built a culture and, 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 and in a certain city, um, DeMar DeRozan really did that with the, Toronto Raptors for their championship but then at the same time them kind of winning the championship was a direct impact of him no longer being there because they were able to get Kawhi Leonard um so maybe that's why he's not as celebrated in Toronto as Brandon Jennings a guy who yeah he was a great point guard for a terrible franchise uh, for so many years was celebrated in Milwaukee anyway um I'm gonna come back with more stuff but it's kind of been a running theme the last couple episodes um the Yankees, we'll see what happens with them. I'll say this now because I want this on a recording. <laughs> if the Yankees win the World Series in 2021, the World Series video will be awesome. <laughs>
<laughs> that World Series video of them coming back and everyone doubting them will be great. So I'll say that right now. Now, now that I have that on recording and it's on the podcast, on the Instagram live, do I think they're going to do it? No, I have zero confidence in them. I think they're broken. I think they need to fix the front office. They need to fix the mindset. I think their superstar, Aaron Judge, when he went down, I kind of got excited when he wasn't there the other day and no one knew where he was. He wasn't in the dugout. It was announced like five minutes before the game that he's not playing. I was kind of excited. I was like, oh, maybe they're trading him. Maybe something terrible happened to him. Um, not that I wish that on anyone, but I just don't think a guy like that who after they win two of three but get you know devastated in the third game of the series goes, great series, on to the next one. It's just the type of guy you want. And every time he's talked the talk, uh, you know, whether it was in Boston playing New York, New York, or, you know, holding his shirt closed after hitting a home run in Houston. And then it's always not backed up. It always ends poorly with me sitting at Yankee Stadium. Would an Aaron Boone's brain break in the series against Alex Cora in 2018 or Chad Green giving up a grand slam and seven runs in the ninth inning to Jose Altuve. Uh, it always ends poorly for Judge. And Aaron Boone, again, on him, I love him. I think he's, like, really smart. He sounds like a really nice guy on the interviews with Carton Roberts. Um, he just sounds like a good dude, a good manager. He knows baseball. And I think if he could say what he actually wanted to say and if he had control over the franchise, um, maybe things are different. But based on the job he's done, and we, that's the only way we can judge him, he's just not a good baseball manager. And he's not the right manager for this particular job the way it's constructed currently. And that's tough. That's tough for the Yankees, and I, I feel bad for the guy, but I don't think he's the right manager to be leading this team right now. Um, and they need a shakeup. They need a big shakeup. They need to work on fundamentals. They need to work on being mentally tough. They need someone to hold them accountable. And until that happens, this franchise and team won't go anywhere. They made it. Looks like they're doing more. I wish they had gotten Trevor Story because I really don't want to see Glaber, Glaber Torres at shortstop anymore. But I like what this franchise is trying to do. And I just hope they can turn it around. I don't think it's this year. I don't think it's a World Series team. Um, and I think the better thing is for them to miss the playoffs and for them to bottom out and really have to look in the mirror and say, wow, a change needs to be made. Um, all right, that's the podcast. That's the whole episode again. Go to Instagram, go to Twitter, follow, like, subscribe, uh, and leave a message. It's in the show notes. So go do that, and I'll talk about some of the things that you talk about. NBA draft coming up. MLB trade deadline coming up. Until next time, see ya.
Take it with